sporadic playing, I was, for the year, I was nine for 20, which is 45%. And some of those were forces at the end of the game. And, but I did have a 20 point game. One of the first games I started at, I obviously remember this, but it was at the Idaho Vandals. And I, it was four for four and three. And I was, uh, I think I was, I can't remember if I was eight of 10 or nine for 10, but I had 20 points. That was Craig Kilborn. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus, presented by Aura. McGraw playing for Towns, and one for Cat with an exclamation point. Russell shows off the handle and the shot. Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Wow, he got his feelings hurt on this one. Oh! Okoge, may the force be with you. Coast to coast for Obi-Wan Okoge. Craig, uh, according to your uh, very lengthy Wikipedia page, you're actually born in Kansas City, but uh, moved to Hastings at four, so that's where you grew up. So you're, if someone says, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? You're, you're a Minnesota yeah, guy. I'm very proud to be from Minnesota, and as you know, I'm a Wolves fanatic, and I'm also a Vikings fanatic. Okay, good. I was flying yesterday in the, during the second half into the Twin Cities, and I'm very glad I missed that ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have been flying into the Twin oh. Cities and missed that ending. Okay, so um, your mom was a teacher, your dad was an insurance executive. Yes. So growing up in Hastings in the 70s, what was life like? Well, I'm going to say this jokingly, and you tell me if this is okay. My father, when we moved here from New Jersey, he took a transfer. And he was a very clever man. He was like a Steve Allen type, very funny. He said, don't ever talk like the locals here in Minnesota. <laughs> is, that, is that okay? I mean, but he just didn't want that, that accent. So I don't know what I sound like if I sound mm. uh, Midwest, East Coast, West Coast. But um, growing up in Hastings was, was magical. My dad was very funny. I had an older brother I was really close with. I started playing basketball in second grade, and I was really into comedy because of my dad. And I remember when we uh, moved from New Jersey, so I was in Kansas City, then I was in New Jersey briefly, and dad took a transfer and he wanted us kids to be excited. And he said, we're going to go to Hastings, Minnesota, and we, you're going to have a basement because we didn't have a basement. The basements are not yeah. around in yeah, a lot of, right. you know what I'm saying? They had a cellar in New Jersey. It was a little cellar. We, we stored suitcases in there. We never went inside the cellar. So in Hastings, he paneled, he paneled it, uh, the walls, and he put tile down. It was our TV room. But he said this to, to us, my, my older brother, Chris, and myself, and I was you know, four or five, whatever I was. We're going to get a wrestling mat for the basement, which we never did, but I guess it sounded cool, like we'd have a wrestling mat. Yeah. And we're going to get a color television. And Barnabas Collins' face, he's on Dark Shadows, on black and white, is going to be green, which was not true. So he was enticing us to, yeah. go, to go to Minnesota. And then, and then uh, yeah, it, it, and I had a magical childhood. And my neighbor in Los Angeles says that I tell him at least once a week that I had a, a very happy childhood. Well, Hastings is like maybe 35 minutes from actually Minneapolis. Would you, as a kid, did you take trips to the big city? Yes, my dad worked in St. Paul, and uh, we went up to the, uh, the uh, state tournament at the Civic Center in St. Mm. Paul. He, my dad introduced me to Coney Islands at the Gopher Bar and Grill. I'd never had a Coney Island. And then one day, I think I, maybe it was in junior high, and he said, son, have you ever had a White Castle hamburger? <laughs> <laughs> so I had a White Castle hamburger. 
And, and okay, where else do we go? State Fair, obviously. Yeah. Um, I want to say we saw some plays growing up, uh, a few plays. And uh, where else? Ocoma Park Zoo. Now, I haven't been no. back in a long time, just to let you know. And, and when I graduated from high school, I only came back a couple summers. Because so I've been out, I've been loyal to Minnesota, but not living here. And I don't visit much because I don't like to fly. Giving you a lot of information. Well, it's a good thing we've got a full half hour <laughs> for this. Um, you said you started playing basketball in second grade. Were you good immediately? Did it come naturally to you? It's a great question. I'm only allowed to, to say that twice. <laughs> great question. Um, so my dad was a baseball uh, fan, a Willie Mays fan. He wanted my brother and I to play baseball, and we weren't very good at it. Now, I, I'm not allowed to say this anymore, but I threw like, they used to say you throw like a girl, but I think... I, Which I would say, well, you threw that well? Yeah. So I can say I throw like a spaz, but maybe that's rude to spazzes. So, but I threw in an awkward way because I would go like this, and and uh, my cousins years later made fun of me for that. And my my dad said, "Well, this is how you." He quickly turned it into this. He goes, "This oh. is how you get scholarships." Because I did get a basketball scholarship, but I did take to basketball. I was good. I was coordinated. I was taller than everybody. I it was in second grade, and I went to my brother's practice because practice started in fifth grade, and I'm on the sideline dribbling the basketball, and the coach comes over to me and says, are you left-handed? I said, no, I'm right-handed. Why are you dribbling with your left hand? I said, because I can already dribble with my right hand. So it came mm -hmm. naturally to me. Overachiever, it sounds I, like. I peaked in seventh grade. <laughs> Were you over six feet tall by, I think I read like six, four or something by ninth grade. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. My, my growth spurt was between fifth and sixth grade. I was five, three in fifth grade, five, nine in sixth grade. And then by, by ninth grade, I was six, four. Wow. Very, okay. very muscular, mm. never slender, never skinny, always muscular. I think the young people say ripped. <laughs> Just to clarify, just to clarify. All natural, Marnie. All natural, okay. Um, you must have had more success because you were an all-state basketball player in Minnesota. Yeah. And nowadays, if you were an all-state basketball player in Minnesota, you'd be on the AAU circuit. You'd be traveling. Not yeah. only would all of Minnesota know you, probably most yeah. of the country would know you. Yeah. When you played, how did people outside of Hastings and the little bubble, how did they see you? How did you get uh, your talents out there? Uh, you know, there was a, a magazine called Street and Smith Basketball, and they would have the top high school players, and they'd have honorable mention. And somehow I was on that list of basketball players. And I remember as a junior in high school, I got my first recruiting letter, for, and it was from Digger Phelps from Notre Dame. And then wow. I got some other letters, obviously. And I had uh, the, big, the big people that visited me in my living room in Hastings Obviously, I went to Montana State. I also had Montana, and the coach there at the time was Mike Montgomery, who later went to Stanford. And then I had uh, a, a big name. Oh, Jim Dutcher was there, University of okay. Minnesota. And then Norm Stewart from Missouri. Those are the big ones that came into the living room. Hmm. Yeah. Into Hastings. Right, yeah. Did you take them down to the wrestling mat and the <laughs> and No. So... With all of that, you still you chose Montana State, or they chose you, or however it happened. Yeah, it, yeah. They, they recruited me heavily. Okay. Uh, this is kind of funny, but um, there was a, a uh, he's a friend of mine, he was my roommate, uh, Jeff Epperly. And Jeff Epperly uh, was kind of a Rex Chapman type player, this white guy who could jump to the moon, and he was a, 
local recruit from Montana, played two guard, the same position as me. He was supposed to go to Missoula to Montana, but he, he came to Montana State. So I didn't play as much as I wanted to. I, I like to joke that I was a mm. bench warmer. I was the best shooter on the team. I was also the best passer on the team. And the coach said, said that to everybody. He would, tell, he would tell people that. And then, of course, he wouldn't play me. But um, my joke is that the defensive stance hurt my lower back. So mm. I was a bit of a liability on defense. Mm. And yet somehow you managed to lead the conference in turnovers? Exactly. I was throwing a lot of scoop passes. I played a little bit like Pistol Pete. I will say that in 1982, my sophomore year, this is when college basketball started experimenting with the three-point line. The ACC had it inside the top of the key. And so it was like 18-9 or something. It was ridiculously short. And Mark Price for Georgia Tech would come down and just pull up from three. We had the longest at 22 feet. And in... And in uh, you know, sporadic playing, I was, for the year, I was 9 for 20, which is 45%. And some of those were forces at the end of the game. And, but I did have a 20-point game. One of the first games I started at, I, I obviously remember this, but it was at the Idaho Vandals. And I it was 4 for 4 and 3, and I it was, uh, I think I was, I can't remember if I was 8 of 10 or 9 for 10, but I had 20 points. Mm. And, yeah, we, we lost. It was oh. a close game, though. They're a good team. And you've managed to say, stay so humble. It's you know, it's humble impressive. is it's probably I will, I tell the young people be humble, you know, and that's kind of. <laughs> and you're walking the walk, not just. You gotta walk that. the walk, man. Well, uh, through your time at Montana State, uh, you did play a game at the barn against the Golden Gophers, at least one, because we found photos. Yeah, I didn't get to play much that game. January third, nineteen eighty-three. Uh, we've got visual proof. Oh, you got three photos of you standing and potentially waiting for a rebound or checking out the woodwork. Yeah. I, sure. I'm sure you want to – those are good pictures. I'm sure you want to say something about the shorts. because these no, were. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to you. Because, you know. But I am a little – massive thighs, right? Are you, <laughs> I, I, I mean – Not where I was – I didn't pick up on that. You're, this is you, though. Yeah. Oh, uh -huh. okay. Yeah. Um, it looks like white Converse. Yeah, I like Converse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But was it a big deal having grown up in Hastings, having gone away to college to play a game at the barn? Oh, it was huge. But I honestly, I think I shot an air ball and the coach chewed me out. He knew I was nervous. But um, I looked good in the pictures. Maybe I scored that game. I didn't. But who knows? I don't remember. Yeah, Maybe we can't I had find six. the box score, so <laughs> you might have gone for 30. So the Timberwolves yes. did not exist until 1989, the 89-90 season. By then... You were done with high school, you were done with college, you had moved on, you were knocking on the door of Sports Center, but you had grown up and not had an NBA team. Yeah. So when the Wolves start, was it instant fandom for you, or did that take some time for you to latch on to this new team? So I'm only allowed two great questions, so I'm going to hold off on the second one there in case something else comes up. But um, Noted. Uh, I was, um, for 20 years, I always tell people, for 20 years prior to the Wolves coming into existence in 89, I was an NBA fanatic. I don't know why, but I was so good in basketball, I just took to the NBA. Not college hoops, the NBA. NBA. And my dad was a Knicks fan, so my first favorite player was Walt Clyde Frazier. Mm. I had the book Rock and Steady, A Guide to Basketball and Cool. And then I discovered Dr. J. Julius Irving, and I was obsessed with him. The Wolves came into existence, and I was just so proud that, that we now had an NBA franchise because I was not here for the Minneapolis Lakers. 
And uh, we actually moved here in the ABA, the Connie Hawkins, they had the Muskies and the, and the Pipers and they were gone. They had the ABA team here. But um, I don't remember, I remember my dad recorded the first game. Bill Musselman was the coach, Sidney Lowe, you know, those guys, Tony Campbell. I can't remember if it was Tony Campbell. But uh, I actually looked it up right before this interview. I remember the starting five, Brad Lohas, um, Sam Mitchell. And I just, I was very proud of them. And then I think it changed in 95 when we got KG. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then that kind of changed. And I'm telling you, Marty, people make fun of me, but I watch, I, I think I said to you, I, I actually do watch every game, but I mm -hmm. will, it gets frustrating, I'll turn it off and fall on the computer. If it's, a, you know, if it's a blowout or something, and then to see if we come back. But there was something, I was trying to think, when I was, uh, like a, a number of years ago, maybe I have to look it up, 2008 or something, my friend is in LA says, hey, let's go, let's go have a drink Saturday night, but let's start early, let's start at five which I do like to do, start at five. But I said, I can't, the Wolves are playing. And I, he goes, you're the only person in Los Angeles that cares about this game. And this was the Al Jefferson, Randy, four years. <laughs> and I had to, I couldn't, I, could, I said, I, it's done at 7.30, I can meet you at 7.30. So I, I am addicted to the Wolves, it's a little weird. Yeah, well that gives us a little glimpse into just how <laughs> deep you were. Can I say something else? Yes. We beat the Heat the other night at home. Yeah, That's my favorite game of the year. Even more so than Philly, because Philly double overtime win. We weren't supposed to win that game. Not a lot of pressure on us. Back-to-back -back game. Mm -hmm. We lost in Charlotte the night before. So the Heat were at home. Pressure's on us. Cat picks up three fouls in five minutes. Pat Beverly gets hurt. He doesn't play. And we were down eight at halftime. And I was just like, keep plugging away. And then Ant kind of went off. And we won that game. And I've rewatched the fourth quarter four times no. because I just love to see how we did. You know, you, when the, you know, when D'Lo gets mm -hmm. going, which happens on occasion, he's streaking. I I really get into the wolves. You know what I'm saying? I I am getting that. Yeah. I'm I care a little that. too much. Yeah. I think. Well, I mean, wolves. we we need fans like yes, that. We yes. need fans who are diehards. I'll put you in that category. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> In 2003, you were invited by Flip Saunders to a training camp. They held a training camp in St. Cloud. Yeah. So you went for like two days. Yeah. And you were like, you're actually sort of, kind of on an NBA team for yeah. a couple of days. Yeah. Thrill of a lifetime. Yeah. Well, the late great Flip Saunders was a friend of mine, and um, I was 40 years old at the time. And most there aren't a lot of NBA players that are 40 years old. Not and I said to Flip, I said, why didn't you, I wish you would have invited me when I was 28, like at my prime. He goes, nobody knew who you were when you were 28. Because I hadn't even been to ESPN yet, you know. And uh, I, unfortunately, I was trying to get in shape quickly. And I pulled my back out prior in Los Angeles, prior to coming out here. So this doctor had me on a bunch of Advil to loosen up my back. And uh, I, I, uh, I made a pass as I talked, chronic, well chronicled, I made a nice pass on a three-on-two drill. And I remember our friend, uh, Leah B. Olson, interviewed me about the, watching me after the two days and we talked. And she said something very funny. She says, yeah, it looks like you used to play. <laughs> looks like you used to play. Like, you don't play anymore. So it was, it was, it was fun, but it was, I'm just glad I didn't get hurt, you know? Well, your own quote was, I have two words for you, bounce pass. And I have two more words for you, groin pull. So. <laughs> Pretty accurate. Yeah, Back, yeah. Grind. I was, yeah. It's not easy. Okay. You also apparently sat in on a few Wolves broadcasts. I think it was radio. Yeah. And not just as the guest. You were 
the actual analyst. You were working. I was you were the, breaking things down. I was the play-by-play guy. I'm trying to think. Play-by-play. Play. I think I might have worked solo. I don't remember. Somebody, is that? Do they work solo? The radio play-by-play. They guys? do now. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I think now I worked home. solo. And let me just say, um, I was okay. I don't have the pipes. Some of these guys have the pipes. Obviously, mm-hmm. Kevin Harlan has the pipes. Dave Benz. They, their voice doesn't get thin or tinny in the fourth quarter. Um, so I had fun though, and. Uh, I remember this. If we were, you can imagine this, Marnie. We were losing in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and it, it wasn't. Go on. <laughs> and it wasn't. A, it wasn't a close game. And then all of a sudden, Cherokee Parks did a uh, follow-up slam, and I, I, as an homage to Mr. Harlan, I said, "Cherokee Parks is a god." <laughs> remember when he used yeah. to? Yeah. Yes. Did it go over well? Was it well received? Did I, it be, or did you not do another game after that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was giggling. Charlie, the, the the great Charlie Frank, who no longer works here, he's down in Cincinnati. He enjoyed it. Well, there you go. Yeah, it was just like I was just <laughs> broadcasting for Charlie. Did you play Kevin Garnett in a game of horse? Yeah. Did you get him to R? I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, there's something I. You know, I love KG. Mm. He has a weakness, and I could have. I mean, if I wanted to exploit it, I could have. And they said to me. If you, if you beat him, he's going to keep you in the gym until he wins. And I wanted to go take a nap and whatever. He has no left hand. Okay. And I shot, okay. and I did the Pistol Pete stuff. I was mm. doing scoops. Everyone could, anyone could shoot a jump shot. But I did a left-handed, oh, maybe a five-foot hook off the glass. He banked it off the glass, didn't even hit the rim. And I remember when I, I showed it to Flip and he lost it. So KG doesn't have a left hand, just to let you know. And had you wanted it more, I could have just shot left-handed. Yeah, yeah, you napped. I got it. Yeah, um, you will go to a lot of games at home in Los Angeles. We see you often when the Lakers and Clippers, uh, when we go play the Lakers and Clippers. I saw you at the Lakers game in uh, November, and you were seated not too far from Mark Laurie and Alex yeah. Rodriguez. Had a little chat with them before the game, after the game. Not sure. Um, was that? informative do you have a lot of ideas that you're trying to to give them are you excited about what's to come for this i'm very i i told them i was uh pleased that uh they're part of the ownership they've breathed some new life into the team i i also you know i i i they they were very nice to me a rod says if i'm not in minneapolis you can have my seats and then mark uh if I have ideas, I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking advantage of that. But let me ask you something. I said to them at the end, I said, uh, you can keep the team in Minnesota if you'd like. No pressure, you know. And A-Rod goes, no, no, I'm yeah. going to do that. Yeah. And then I, my understanding is uh, you were hosting a, an event for them. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and A-Rod went on the record and said, we're keeping the team here. Mar- record me. So that's yeah. a, that is that is that your that's, sense yeah. that they're going to yes. keep it here? Yes, and it was accurate. And and the way it happened was there was a, a group at a restaurant, and and Mark Laurie kind of had it as a throwaway comment. He said, "Well, we're not we're not going to move the team, but we're looking for it." And he kind of rolled past it, and you could hear grumblings out in the out in the audience. And he right. kind of stopped and he looked at A Rod, and A Rod went up to the mic and he said, "We are not going to move the team." And everyone yes. was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." So, yeah, they made it a point to clarify. Right. And let me ask you something else, because I was told you might have some inside info. Maybe not. May or may not be able to indulge it. So I said to um, A-Rod, I said, so I assume you guys are going to 
talk about a new arena because I've already heard them publicly say a new arena. Sure. And, and A-Rod said, yeah. And A-Rod said, because I agreed with him, and this is not that big of a deal, but he said he'd like it downtown. And I said, I would like it downtown. I like, the worst part is driving to and from an arena or a football stadium and you know, leaving afterwards, it takes forever. It's fun to go to Murray's and then you know, grab a mm -hmm. beer and mm -hmm. then go mm -hmm. to the game, walk home. So, so A-Rod said, I'd like it to be downtown. And then uh, Mark prefers it to be outside of town, potentially like uh, the Vikings complex. Yeah. What do you know about where they might uh, build the arena? Anything? I was told you I, might know. Maybe I might. guess they're looking at this town, Hastings. Ha 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 ha. I have no information that I'm. Do you know in Hastings? And you can release. mock Hastings all you want. Um, <laughs> I was in a mock. It was a compliment. Uh, it was a town of twelve thousand Nestle in the Mississippi. We were known. This is prior to me moving there, but all the milk cartons had a spiral bridge on it. We were. World, the world-famous Spiral Bridge was in Hastings, Minnesota in the 50s and over the Mississippi, okay. and there were only two spiral bridges in the world, and one was in Hastings, Minnesota. Where was the other? I don't know. I didn't, I, again, I don't yeah. read that other, the other, and it's probably somewhere in Europe, somewhere, and I didn't care at the time of Europe, about Europe. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a really fun Hastings fact. Well, there's Spiral Pizza still there. <laughs> Very good pizza. I wondering if that was still there. Um, Let's move on. I have often wondered if Carl Anthony Towns is just a taller version of what Craig Kilborn would have been like in the NBA. You mean he's quirky or odd? Or are you, oh, I meant the skilled part. Oh, the skilled part. Well, let me, let me say something. Is that a comp? Is that a fair comp? Uh, yeah, well, he's, he is offensively. I mean, I actually think he's good on defense as well. I, I know that he is a good shot blocker. I've seen him stop Anthony Davis late in the game in the fourth. He also controls the defensive boards late in the game. There are other issues where he reaches and picks up silly fouls on defense. But offensively, he's very, very gifted. And I am stunned since day one when he came to the NBA, his shooting touch, mm -hmm. shocked. He shot, his first three years, he shot 54%. I mean, some say, this is not hyperbole, but he's the greatest shooting big man of all time. I've heard people say that. Now, there's this other funny thing I want to ask you about, because you're closer to the team than I am. And I think they said Coach Finch called it uh, stray voltage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That is so funny. <laughs> and because he's got some spat, like he can just shoot jumpers, but he likes to drive. And then he, whoa, you know, he, he, does, his, he does his movements and he always falls. And I hope he doesn't get hurt. But he's, he's uh, you know, one of my favorite players. And uh, I do think he's very skilled. I just want him to, con you know, be contained mm -hmm. with his yeah. incredible offensive prowess. Less stray voltage. Yes. Okay. Calm down. In your career, uh, outside of basketball, your professional career, you had a couple of shows in The Daily Show, in The Late Late Show, not telling you anything you aren't familiar with. I had forgotten but, that. <clears throat> yes. When, when you worked, especially The Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn, because you had guests on. You had actors, yes. you had singers, you had very famous people. If and when you ever had a basketball player, an NBA player, yeah. was it different for you? Did it hit different? Um, because that's your thing, the NBA? Uh, good question. I didn't well, say great. I didn't say great. I said good question. Normal, no. average question. Um, no, um, 
Sometimes it was difficult. I, I, uh, I, I liked KG so much that I maybe was too giddy. But I, I remember other guys. I had Steve Nash on. I have Jason Kidd on. I had a lot of guys on. Sometimes it wasn't easy to, to interview them to make it interesting. It, it's sometimes, I remember asking Jason Kidd, it wasn't that interesting. I was trying to talk not about basketball. And I was just, you, you try to manufacture questions. I'm like, so when you're on the road, do you have to, I don't like packing my, my bag. Do you have to pack your luggage or do you have someone do it for you? He goes, no, I do it. And that was the end of that. <laughs> like, okay. Like you're trying to come up with different angles. Yeah, sure. But I will tell you, uh, I was fortunate. I had him on twice, the great Bill Russell. And he had such a good time. And, and our research showed that he was a Trekkie. So we had a picture, a full screen of him at, in, in, on the, on the Enterprise wearing yeah. a, a, the, the uniform, and he was laughing very hard. But he was really cool because after the first time he was on, and, you know, I had jumped from ESPN to the, uh, up to the late night, he shook my hand, and he, off, off the air after the interview, he says, uh, he said, you done good, you done good. That was really nice. Hmm. Yeah. Big compliment. Yeah. He's a great player, by the way. <laughs> I've read, yes. When you were, especially when you had the Late Late Show, my favorite show. Which came right after David Letterman. Yes. Has your name in the title. It's L.A. It's, I assume you had a billboard, maybe side of the buses type of thing. Right. Did you ever catch yourself going Hollywood? Did you ever have to check yourself and remember that Craig Kilborn from Hastings was still in there somewhere? Well, I always was down to earth, but I always, I, I was kind of, uh, mo I always mocked things. So the answer is... I don't think I ever had to check myself. I, I did have fun. I, 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 I could answer it this way. Even if I didn't do late night, I'd have the same ego. I mean, I basically have an ego, and I would have it no matter, even if I had a show. I would be a guy that said, I could do that, you know, <laughs> something, something like that. That's a, kind of a fun answer. We might, we might shorten it, I mean. Um, officially, do you call yourself retired how do we do we label it does it need a label i like saying it because it, it i like endings to conversations what are you doing i'm retired now if i do something i'll say yeah my doctor told me to get a hobby so i'm going to do something okay. but uh i mean everyone has a podcast i'm talking to a, a company that wants me to do one i might do one in 2022 where i was supposed to do it in the fall but the deal just keeps dragging out so there are things they think i'm going to do it do it for a year and then leave them and they want compensation for that they're they're nice kids I'll throw him a bone, you know. Well, it, you haven't been front and center, but you haven't been gone, and it doesn't mean you can't, you can't take a break and come, like, I, I don't think, I'd read, oh, he's retired. No, he's not retired. And I was like, well, what, why does he need to be any of it? Let Craig help right now. Uh, I'm enigmatic. I know people don't get it. I would say to you, there's not a lot I want to do. I have, sure. I have this comedic sensibility. I, I did achieve my career goal. I have a comedic sensibility that maybe there's something out there, maybe not, but I am having a blast on Instagram. Um, there are no meetings. I don't have to go to any meetings for Instagram. I just do my silliness, and um, it's, it satisfies me. But I might, I'll, I'm sure I'll do a podcast and have fun with that. Well, what a wonderful space to be in. Yes. I yeah. Have to be you someday. Yeah. You know, some people, most people, any? yes, yes. Most people oh. don't get it, but some people say you have this luxury of free time, and I do have a lot. Yeah. Of free, I do have a yeah. lot of free time. Okay, so we do this thing on our show. Five questions. 
No, it's called the final five. Are you joking or not? I am not joking. Oh, it's called the final five? It's called the final oh. five. Oh, okay. It's a unique idea. Yeah. Don't know where we got it. Okay. And we've been doing it for a couple of years. Oh, so I, didn't know I that. just got five for you. And it's a random number. Okay. You don't know where, where Any it came food from. questions? Uh, no, but a liquid drink question. Okay. How do you take your coffee? I have to have it with milk. Doesn't matter if it's 2%, could be oat milk or whole milk, but I can't drink it black. Sweetener? Nope. Just Never. Okay. I'm a, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Savory over sweet. I don't have a sweet tooth, and I'm very proud of that. I like a lot of cheese. I like my indulgence is white cheddar popcorn. If I'm going to go crazy, I'll eat a bag of that. I don't have a sweet tooth. However, cheesecake, key lime mm. pie, mm. creme brulee. What do you do to entertain yourself when you're flying? I don't like to fly. I drink no. a Bloody Mary, mm -hmm. and then I either watch a movie that they, they I was flying out of the, I was watching Goodfellas, or I listen to jazz music if I have access to that. Okay, yeah. movies or music. Yeah. And a drink. Yeah. Okay. Which emoji do you use the most? Martini glass. I think they're beautiful. I think they're aesthetically pleasing. Hmm. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I go to bed, at, you're gonna laugh, Marnie. I'm not gonna ask you your age, it's not important. You don't ask a woman their age. 26. But when I, 26. When I was uh, in my, around 45, and no one's gonna believe this, I started going to bed at 9 p.m. And I love it, I love it. And I, I, like, I like getting my eight hours and I love my coffee and Bill Evans in the morning and yeah, so I'm a morning person. So you're 9 p.m. LA time. Yeah. Yeah, and you're up and at them at five. Five? Yeah, Oof. five or six. Okay, morning person. What is a talent or skill you do not have, but you wish you did? Oh, I thought you were going to say that no one knows about. Okay. I was going to do something about cooking. I, I like to cook. Um, let's you said see. said no food questions. Oh, yeah, I know. No, I didn't. I said, no, I said, you said you don't have any food questions. I was prepared. You told me I better not have any oh, food no, questions. Oh, no, no, no. I was doing a joke about that. I'm okay. sorry. We talked uh, prior to going on the air. Um, I would say this. Um, I don't sing publicly because I sing off key. So my, my, my dad played piano by ear and he could sing. My mom played and taught piano. She was playing uh, organ in the Baptist church in Olathe, Kansas at age 12. My brother has a very good singing voice. When I sing with my brother, I can stay on, on key with him, mm. but solo, I can't really sing. I wish I could because I have a, a decent voice. And years ago, I was interviewing Barry Manilow, and he wanted to, he said, he thought he was boring. He said, you have to interview me at the piano because I'm not going to sit there. I'm not that excited. I'm, I'm good when I fiddle, you know, because he wrote American Bandstand and Have It Your Way. He wrote all those jingles for McDonald's. So I sang a little bit with Barry when I told him one of my favorite Manilow songs, and we, we sang a few bars wow. of it. Yeah. So the skill you wish you had was a better solo singing voice. Yeah, it's a long way to, to say Make that. Make sure I got there. Because... I give thorough answers, you know? Yeah. Well, details. Very so, thoughtful, very yeah. complex young man. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with my life, you know? Well, I feel like you've got some opportunities. Yes. And there are things out there for you. Well, uh, I appreciate your, your passion for this basketball team. And I think uh, good things are on the horizon. Yeah, they're playing and, well. They're um, playing well. Need yeah. a win tonight. It's going to be hard against the Atlanta Hawks. I did get a call from Sanjan Gupta to see what uh, 
number I would want to wear if I, I get in the game tonight. Yeah. 43 is what I wore in college. Because that's what Michael Thompson wore at the yes, University of sure Minnesota. Yeah. He sure did. Ode to Michael. Um, I know you're busy. Yeah. I, I got you don't have anything going on. I got to take a nap. Thank you for, uh, for enlightening us. And thank you for being uh, one of the best Wolves fans we've, we've ever had. Thank you. Met. And I did want to say at the top of the interview, but I forgot. I'm a bit of a fan of yours because you're very natural on the air. And I oh. appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, you're very uh, good. The key is smoke and mirrors. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Craig. Thank you, Marnie. Thank you. Wolves Plus, presented by Aura.